Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Nancy and I are going to be discussing nutrition. And we've had a question come in from a listener. So Daniela has emailed us and she has said, my horse had a bad sugar high after a mix up with the feed scoops, too much concentrated feed. She was practicing impressive aerial gymnastics on the lunge, quite uncharacteristic for her. A few days back on normal feed and she was good as gold again. I'd love to know what's going on in the digestion and brain when this happens. I was also surprised how quickly it worked off just from the feed change with very little exercise because of lameness. Have you ever done an episode on that? I would love to know more. So today, Nancy and I are going to discuss um, two papers, one which we have covered before. So uh, we have done an episode on um, high starch diets and behavior. And that was back, did you say, Nancy, that was October 21? It was, yeah, October 16th, 2020. 2020. Yeah, so it'll be two years ago we did that episode in October. So um, I know time goes by so fast, but um, that was an interesting uh, paper that it was Balmer et al. 2019 High starch diets alter equine fecal microbiota and increase behavioral reactivity by Balmer et al. 2019. It was done mainly out of the University of Glasgow. So really, I remember that episode and I, in fact, went back this week and listened to it. And I'll put a link to that on our homepage this week because it, I thought we did, you know, not to brag on ourselves but I think we did pretty <laughs> good on that paper you know <laughs> yeah and that was it was a brilliant brilliant paper so we will touch on that in this episode but we're also going to look at a paper and um, today that is what would be good for all veterinarians to know about equine nutrition and this is by Patricia Harris and Megan Shepherds and this is a 2021 paper very in-depth so there's a lot of information in it, but it's literally like a handbook to feeding horses. It is such a valuable paper. And we'll put a link up to that as well. Is this one open access actually, Nancy? It is. I made sure it was um, because this was so in-depth and I wish I would have um, known this information 20 years ago or that mm-hmm. the- been a concise paper like this 20 years ago on horse digestion it's really well done and and easy to read even yeah and I think if you do have the time print this off grab a highlighter and just highlight the parts that are relevant to you so whether you've a horse or you've a pony because they're very different in their digestion obviously not in the setup of it but in you know, the percentages of food they need and dry matter. 
which always fascinates me. And one of my absolute favorite things about ponies is their determination to eat because it comes up and we did it. I think it was in the Friends Forage and Freedom episode. We discussed um, if you restrict a pony from pasture, they will make up for it. So they will do eight hours of eating's worth in a four hour period. They're really, um, really adapted to just hoovering up food. And in this one as well, when it talks about the percentage dry matter, when horses are out in pasture, it takes them about a day to eat two to 2.5% of their body weight in that um, pasture grass. Whereas it takes a pony three hours to eat one and a half percent. So they really do make quick time of it. But I thought this was a great question um, that Nancy shared from the listener because the effect that high concentrate feed has on horses is really, it's impressive. It's like the equivalent of giving, you know, loads of sugar and caffeine to a little kid. We see such a quick spike and that's where, you know, they were saying the horse went out on the lunge was very, very active, you know, doing some aerial gymnastics and that's out of character. And the out of character part is what's interesting. And that ties into the earlier podcast we did on how that starch affects behavior because the gut brain access is linked. And where we have a high sugar or high starch diet, we see behavioral changes quite quickly. And in that paper, we saw horses were almost... um, expressing more agitated behaviors, I guess you could call them, or anxious behaviors, more pacing, more movement, um, more activity within their stalls. And it's burning of this extra energy. You know, they're just, they're constantly moving to try and use that up. I did think when it came to this question in particular, uh, the listener said they were surprised how quickly it worked off just from reducing that feedback down again to normal rates. But I think in this case, to me, it's not like it was a new concentrate that was introduced. The horse is always eating this concentrate, so their system is adapted to it. So it was just, you know, a very short period of some high calories that they managed to burn off and then they were back down to their normal calories and they rebalanced again because that forage outweighed the starch. And it's so important that we have that high forage in the diet to try and balance the horses out because that has a behavioral effect too, where we've got horses on high forage, we see more relaxed behaviors, more natural kind of, um, I think in that episode, and I'm sure I said the word investigatory a hundred times in that episode, but those are the behaviors that start to come through, you know, that kind of moseying about and, you know, picking through the grasses versus kind of pacing about and being anxious. Yeah, they're definitely on high forage. They're much more settled. And I think um, when she asked what's going on, I think the easiest way to look at it is high starch affects the microbiota in the um, horse and it elicits a behavioral change because of that gut brain axis pathway and they've all 
always uh, say that increased stress response are associated with changes in gut uh, microbial populations. And they did that one study in the fistulated horses where they fed high starch and then they took a sample and it had reduced the fiber eating bacteria um, immensely to where that, um, oh, the starch went over into the hind gut and created acidic conditions, which sometimes, you know, leads to colic or an uncomfortable feeling in the horse. So then you see that stress response increase. So I thought it was interesting that it also mentioned that um, the gastrointestinal tract releases over 20 different hormones and several of those hormones are neurotransmitters. So any disruption of these neurotransmitters may have a wider influence on the behavior of the horse. And that's why you see the flightiness, the nervousness. Um, you know, it just is kind of like, Kate, you called it ADHD in a horse. You know, the mm -hmm. sugar high. And, and I do, I see that a lot, especially in thoroughbreds. And there are... Um... Not that I would be an expert by any means on this in horses or in people when it comes to ADHD, but there are um, papers how diet can play a really specific role in the treatment of ADHD in humans. Um, and I think it's France that has done these studies and actually implemented it as part of the treatment protocols now. So you would get medication, but you would also get a diet plan. And um, because of our understanding now of how the food we put in our gut affects those neurotransmitters. And I think we all have a concept of that to a degree. I mean, you know, that feeling you get when you eat your favorite food, like it's amazing. It, it can bring you like a sense of happiness or euphoria. Like there's mental links tied in with the food we're eating and that must occur in horses too. So when they get that high sugar concentrate, I mean, they want to eat that. It tastes amazing compared to that more browsy hay that they're normally getting. So they're going to get um, more of a, a, I suppose, more, it's, where am I, I trying, trying to link this? I think it's more palatable in horses they're designed to be fiber eaters, forage eaters, and that's more consistent. It's glucose rise and falls and insulin rise and falls that are more consistent and more leveling rather than such peaks and valleys. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is you can have the lows, the highs and the lows from getting that spike of sugar. And what I thought was quite cool in this paper and the veterinary one is that it stated if additional energy provision is required, consider alternative forages. So you can get grasses that are higher in um, sugars. So maybe changing up the hay you're feeding or maybe just take a look at your pasture. And if it's just horse specific where you want that bit of additional energy, you can consider adding um, fats, so adding some vegetable oil, or we used to do cod liver oil into the feed as well. And that's a much more sustainable um, 
addition of energy because it's a little bit more of a slower burn. We don't get that peak that we're getting from adding in a starch. Yeah, that digestion rate slows to where that um, starch isn't being uh, quickly absorbed and the leftovers tossed over into the hind gut. And um, you know that's so true, Kate, what you just said, because so much of the time when your pastures are coming in in the spring, the horses get too much fructans and um, the ones that are susceptible to that big of a change, um, if you just feed them browsy hay before they go out on the pasture, it helps slow that digestion down because it takes a little longer for that cellulose and lignin to be digested. And so it slows the whole thing down where not everything's being rushed through the system so quickly. Yeah. And the key difference as well, you know, between horses digestion and our digestion is if you remember back to, I suppose, like a secondary school or high school biology and science, they, we talk about how our saliva starts the digestion and the breakdown of starch because we've got amylase in our saliva, but in horses, they have virtually no digestive enzymes. So no amylase. And they only produce that saliva during chewing. So their saliva really is primarily a lubricant. So to create a nice bolus that can easily pass and prevent having a choke. And it also contains bicarbonate, which is a key gastric buffer. So chewing the forage is what helps prevent gastric ulcers too. It also means they're trickle feeding. So there's food that's in the stomach virtually all the time the stomach doesn't empty out because they're having to graze on this and I've touched before on how important it is for dental health because long stem hay or pasture horses make a different sweeping they make that figure of eight sweeping motion so they wear their teeth down nicely but also the horse naturally should be foraging for up to 15 hours a day 15 hours in a 24-hour period so they would rarely spend more than three hours in the day not foraging on hay. So just consider how much you are providing in the stall because you might be providing what you think is enough percentage body weight, but each horse's metabolism is different. So you know, just make sure they're not running out of hay and that they're not running out of hay overnight either, that they have enough access to it there should still be a bit left in the morning and your horse is going to, isn't going to get fat off of eating this browsy hay. So, you know, really do give that ad lib and pack in as much as you can into those feeders. And some of these older stalls have a look at the feeders because some of the feeders you'll see aren't actually really adequate enough and they mightn't hold enough hay either. And that means going back out to the stable at 10 o'clock and packing some more hay in there to get them through to the morning. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I always do a night hay before I go to bed and to make sure that they have plenty of, of chew time and a lot of that saliva going down into the system and um, helping them with that buffering 
in that acid. And even on the racetrack, we have a groom throw night hay. And so they're constantly, especially racehorses, are so prone to gastric ulcers. So that the more often um, you can feed, so smaller amounts more often is much more important. And that's what we mean by trickle feeding. Yes, that is a good point. And yeah. um, sometimes, yeah, we, I think I run with words and I forget to explain what I'm saying. <laughs> well, and so that covers the lips and the mouth. And, um, you know, I think you, that also we need to be careful to make sure that the mouth is free of any sores. The lips are free of any sores because it all plays a part in digestion. That's the the first part of the digestive tract is the lips and the mouth, the esophagus, and then we're heading into the stomach. And those lips are so sensitive. This never ceases to amaze me. It's the equivalent of like our fingers because they can pick out an individual vitamin supplement or medication out of a whole thing of feed and just leave it to one side. They're so adapted. And their lips are what tell as well with different grasses and things like that. So just incredible, like the the capabilities. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've got one. You can put a tiny pill that's not even a quarter inch long, maybe by a quarter inch wide, and she will have all the feed eaten around it, and it'll be sitting there all alone in the feed. <laughs> You know, so they can be pretty adept at uh, avoiding anything that shouldn't be in there. So, um, but anyway, when we are, you think we're ready to move on to the stomach? Yeah, um, I just wanted to make a quick point as well on that message that came in. It is so easy to pick up a scoop in the barn that may be too large. So it really is worth getting the weighing scales, putting the scoop on the scales and pressing zero so that it goes to zero and the scoop has no weight itself. And then take a full scoop of the feed and pop that on the scales and see what that weighs. So you're kind of standardizing what your scoop weighs. And then write up, if you can have different color ones, it's even better. You can be like orange scoop is this many grams of the feed. Um, and remember, two different feeds will have different weights. I know this starts to get more complex, but a scoop of pony nuts is going to be lighter than a scoop of sugar beet, you know, wet molasses. That's going to weigh a lot more in a scoop. So just make sure that using scoop as a measurement is very difficult. And, you know, some people say scoop and they just take their two hands and scoop up some fees but again that's so variable so if you want to be very specific if your horse is doing fine and you've always kind of gone that way then that's absolutely fine but if you want to get into the nitty-gritty especially when it comes to performance and trying to have peak performance weighing out the food is ideal that's that's exactly right you know so i have a little postal meter scale that i can uh, set their buckets on and add to a certain point. And then I know every day, okay, they're getting the same thing. And, uh, you know, a horse is one animal that the biggest change they ever make is when they're going from um, breathing 
um, attached to their mother's, um, what is it, their umbilical cord? Umbilical, yeah. To where then they're born and they have to take in that air. That is the largest change that should ever occur in their life. So we have to be very gradual on feed changes, um, whether it's amount or type of feed, you have to be very careful. The only time is maybe when you're reducing the amount of feed, as long as you're increasing the forage. And I tell you what, I'm even hesitant to uh, change forage. I take different hay cuttings and blend them over time. So it's not such a shock to their system to be getting a new type of hay. So if you can get it ahead of time before you run out of what you're currently feeding and blend it and get their system used to it, I think it's just easier. Their digestive tract, as we'll find out, is so complex that um, the more you can do to keep consistent, the better it is. And talking about the stomach then, so what we'll do for this week's episode is we're going to finish up on the stomach and then next week we're going to talk about the intestinal tract because that really is the powerhouse of the horse and there's so much information to go through but when you talk about not making big changes another important point is also to consider actual capacity um, of the stomach so a horse's stomach is able to hold between 8 to 15 liters and that's for a 500 kilo horse so even when it does come to horses that are on high fiber or high forage, high concentrate diets because they're athletes and they're burning huge energy, we still need to be careful about the quantity of food we're giving them in any one feed. Yeah. Did you, well, didn't you find it amazing that this paper said that the food is retained in the stomach for anywhere from 85 to 300 minutes. So five hours. Yeah. I mean, that would, that I think that's extreme five hours, but still that is a range of time to where if you were overfeeding, you could see where that could really be a problem and create a health concern. Yeah. And as well, if we're overfeeding and not getting enough of that forage in to um, create that lubrication, then we can end up with impaction colics as well. So that's another risk that we run with not getting nutrition right. And I think that's why nutrition is such a huge area in equine because they literally it's it plays so much into performance, behavior, um, condition, and into welfare of the horse as well. So there are so many facets to it, and it does, it takes a lot of thinking through. So it is something that if you haven't reviewed what you're feeding your horses, you know, you may have done the same thing for the last five years, taking a little time to just sit down and going through the feed packets. Feeds change as well, and that won't be made obvious to you. You know, feed brands and um, companies will update what's in the feeds and will change composition sometimes just very slightly but over a number of years very slight changes builds on each other and it's important to always you know check back and make sure you are feeding correctly for your horse and for 
the amount of work they're doing. Um, Nancy, you had an example in our last podcast on the behavior about a young thoroughbred that was on too high starch of a diet. Yeah, he was um, the he was very high strung and nervous coming off of an injury, a two year old thoroughbred. And um, I think when the owner called me to tell, you know, to ask me what I thought about the whole thing, when he told me that the horse was well bodied and looked like a stallion, that kind of told me the horse was getting too many calories because a nervous horse is usually a thinner horse and they're burning that energy internally. And um, he wasn't, so he was getting way too many calories. He was getting a five gallon poultice bucket full of sweet feed, which was equivalent to almost 10 pounds of sweet feed. So way too much um, food for what he was doing. He was only going to the track three times a week because of his energy. And no wonder he was doing laps in the stall and digging holes and things like that. So I had them reduce the amount of concentrate and increase the amount of forage. And um, unfortunately, COVID hit and they had some misfortune in their family. And I never did hear, um, you know, what the outcome of his training was, if he ever made it to the track or not. But uh, anyway, it was definitely a good example of a horse getting way too much um you know, too much energy for what that demand was um, on him. Um, yeah, I think that's especially when it's a thoroughbred and they're highly strung. It's yeah. not the not the kinds of breeze you can, um, I suppose, afford to give too much starch to give those high sugar diets. And you know what, Kate, I think the most interesting thing in this uh, stomach section was that the um, larger meals have a greater rate of emptying than smaller. And that's what puts a, oh, that puts added stress on the rest of the intestines if that stomach is getting rid of that large meal quickly. You want those meals to be absorbed um, at a, you know, at a slower rate. And that's mm -hmm. one reason why they're trickle feeders. Eat a little bit, absorb a little bit, push it on down the line. You don't want like a huge influx of food and the stomach feels under compulsion to get rid of it. And then you may have a clog further on down the line, which that's very primitive giving it that way. But I think that's picturesque. So you can kind of see this is the type of digestive system we're dealing with in a horse. And next week, we're going to take a look at the um, intestinal tract. We're also going to talk about water and look at forage a little bit more and talk about percentage of feed to feed, whether it's a horse or a pony. So lots more to come on that next week. If anybody has any questions on the nutrition in this anatomy type of episodes we're doing, shoot us an email, contact us on Facebook. Kate does Instagram. I do the Facebook. Um, give 
your questions and we'll make sure that we um, answer them or at least try and find an answer in the research of, you know, why we do this or, or why they think this is what's happening. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Nancy, and see you again next week. Okay. Thanks, Kate. Bye-bye, guys. Take care.